You're listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration, a podcast dedicated to helping software executives stay on the cutting edge of sales and marketing in their industry. Let's get into the show. Hi, welcome to B2B Revenue Acceleration. My name is Aurélien Moetier, and I'm here today with Michael Hanson, founder and sales consultant at Growth Genie. How are you doing today, Michael? All good. Thanks for inviting me on the show. I, I'm going to say this again, but I'm going to call you Ray because I hear a lot of people call me. <laughs> no offense taken. It's one of the most in-used names for me. So that's kind of cool. I respond to many names. So our discussion today will be surrounding outbound sales cadences. And we know that you are an expert when it comes to that topic. But before we go into the conversation, could you just tell us a little bit more about yourself as well as your company growth, Jenny? Yeah, sure. So we're a sales consultancy. We're quite a new company, about a year old, and we essentially help B2B sales teams have better conversations. We do that through setting up repeatable, scalable outbound processes, such as playbooks, cadences, etc. Before I set up the company, I actually used to be in, in your space, in the uh, outsource SDR space, yep. and helped a company grow from five people in the CEO's apartment to uh, over 200. I'm not going to mention their name, as I don't want to mention competitors. I'm on your podcast, out of, out of respect, but learned a lot about different techniques, what works, what doesn't. And one of the things I saw that you may have seen as well is actually when companies outsource a challenge, so they don't have good playbooks, cadences, messaging in place. Often they fail, the companies that outsource the best, it's when they have very good processes in place and then like an outsource team can, can sit on top of that. And that's part of the reason that I set up Growth Genie to help that companies build, build that messaging for Outbound. Okay, so it's about building up playbooks. So do you actually do the whole playbooks, like getting information from the market and everything? Where would your clients come from originally? Would they have absolutely nothing or would they have something? Or do you embark both, both type of clients on board? Yeah, we, we kind of do both. Typically, some companies have tried to do outbound, but they pretty much failed. So they've yeah. maybe hired their first, you know, two BDRs and they haven't got the messaging right. Often what happens as well is when BDRs or SDRs don't have managers, they don't succeed because a lot of companies are like, hey, we're going to hire SDRs and they, they can do their job. But often SDRs are like green or graduate roles. So when that happens, they need that support. And that's kind of where we can come in. We can almost act as a virtual BDR manager. And then we've got other companies that are, are bigger. Maybe they've got a team of like, 10, 20 SDRs, and we're more helping them optimize their cadences and their playbooks, or perhaps they've got a new product launching that we can help them build that messaging for. So those are kind of typically the two different scopes. Makes perfect sense. So thanks for that, Michael. So you've developed a 30-touch omnichannel outbound sales cadence that combines LinkedIn, outbound calling, SMS, WhatsApp, an email. I'm very interested to understand a little bit more about the WhatsApp element, so I'm sure you're going to get to it in a minute. <laughs> but could you please share some more details of this sequence with our audience and maybe show a few stats that you've seen working with it? Yeah, definitely. So it's a funny timing of this question because I'm actually going to do a webinar on Thursday this week with Lead Feeder. And obviously, Ray, I think we, we first came into contact with each other on a Lead Feeder webinar. It's going to be a, an outbound cadence for 2021, but it's going to be quite similar to the one we already have in place. So we released it in January. So it's pre-pandemic. So a lot's changed since then, but there's a few things that are staying the same. So like the 30 touches themselves, which I can talk through. So typically we're looking about 10 to 15 phone calls, seven to eight emails and, and seven to eight LinkedIn messages. 
messages. And again, this seems like a lot. And I think this is why it was our most viral bit of content because people are like 30 touches. That's insane. You can't harass people. But as you said, like there are statistics behind this. So when it comes to calling, for example, typically a connect rate, according to connect and sell, which is a power dialer who've analyzed millions of phone calls, typical connect rate, I think is actually about 4%. And so what that means is essentially it could be like one in 20 calls are going to be answered. It can go higher or lower. So if you're calling salespeople because they're expecting business to come in, that can be 10%. Or if it's kind of like sometimes IT personas, even marketing can be, be lower, about 3%. So essentially, you've got to do a lot of calls just to have one conversation. But the phone can still be a, a very powerful tool, as, as you all know, at Operatics. And I think when people think of 30 touches, often they're thinking of you're having 30 conversations, but that's not it. It can take 30 touches essentially to have one conversation. And then the rules in terms of like LinkedIn and email, typically I say don't ask for a meeting on the first email, first LinkedIn message, just ask relevant questions or share a bit of content that you think is very relevant to them. Like give away a piece of content. Like if you follow Josh Brown on, on LinkedIn, he talks about deposit. So essentially doing that deposit and then warm them up as you go along. The phone is different because on the phone, you can actually have an interactive conversation. You can identify the pains and then you can pitch a meeting. It's more difficult on email. So I don't recommend actually asking for a meeting on the first email or LinkedIn message. And then there's a few, as I said, we're about to release a new cadence with, with Lead Feeder and, and Vidyard. There's a few things that have, have changed since January with our one, which is one voice notes we use now on LinkedIn. So voice notes are really good. What I like about them is it's kind of a way you can scale personalization because I find videos can take quite a long time. You're thinking about how you look, what do you share? Whereas a voice note, you literally just touch a button on your phone and like send a voice note. You can quickly scan their LinkedIn profile. And then another thing we're using as well at the start is LinkedIn polls. So one of the hardest things as an SDR is like actually knowing what the pains are of your buyers. You kind of have to make an assumption versus if you're like an AE or a closer, you get an inbound lead. They've told you what your pains are. You can do discoveries. But when you're an SDR, you don't do that. You're going completely cold. So that's a new thing we're doing. We actually send like a survey on the first message in LinkedIn. Like if I was to prospect you, Ray, as a CEO with a sales hat, would love your feedback on this. This, this quick poll related to outbound sales challenges, all you've got to do is press a button and then I know that's a challenge for you. And then I can personalize the message based on that. So really the cadence has stayed the same, but there's a couple of new things we're using, which is surveys and, and LinkedIn voice notes. Very good. That sounds really good. And WhatsApp, I mean, is that, I know that we have a fair few clients in Israel, for example, and when we are prospecting on behalf of operatics, the way I'm engaging with my clients in Israel is very much WhatsApp-based. Seems to love WhatsApp. So it's a way of communication that is quite, it's used commonly, if you will, and people are quite relaxed about you contacting them directly and adding you on WhatsApp. I feel that it's maybe less, something that we see less in Western Europe and North America. Do, no. do you have any comments on that? Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, just the use of WhatsApp in North America is people tend to use iMessage, so it's more SMS. So I recommend, yeah, North America to use SMS. WhatsApp is still big in Europe. As you said, it's not used that much for business purposes. Yeah. That's actually why I think it can be very powerful. Because of GDPR, you have to be careful. So SMS can be tricky in certain countries within Europe, like especially Germany, but actually really across Europe. So if someone hasn't opted in, it's quite difficult. But if you've got leads like webinar leads or ebook leads or people that have come to your website and given you their phone number, you've actually mm -hmm. got permission to send them an SMS or send them a WhatsApp. And a lot yeah. of people don't yeah. actually do that. So I really recommend that. And, and again, the, the messages, it's like if you're texting a friend, the messages have to be super short. But it's quite a good way to nurture someone. Something I can even do is like you send them a very personalized email 
and then you can send them an SMS or WhatsApp, like any thoughts on my email, Jeff, right? It's mixing that like Absolutely. highly personalized email with just like a quick follow-up on, on SMS or WhatsApp. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I actually use it for following up on conversation that may get a little bit difficult to be done by email. So yeah. when I kind of see that a prospect or a client is, is taking two, three days to respond to an email, I try new ways. And sometimes it's a phone call. You know, we've got clients who are like super responsive to phone calls, particularly salespeople. They are much yeah. better on phone calls, in my opinion, and without making generalities than yeah. emails. And then WhatsApp also work well with a few. So I've seen that in maybe the larger companies where people may have, you know, if you take an Oracle, IBM, Google, and all that, I think people have their day relatively regimented, quite a lot of meetings, a lot of internal email, Slack, lots of other bits and pieces. So basically their computer is maybe getting a little bit overwhelmed, but people still check their phone without any stats. Again, in my opinion, I found that in, in large organization where maybe the day is more regimented and there is lots of email, lots of admin, WhatsApp has worked well for me, but more when I've already got that relationship in place, if you will. But when, I'm, when they already know me, they know who I am, and then I will add them on to WhatsApp as a new channel to accelerate things for me. But that makes sense. So thanks for that, Michael. I will want to go back to the data in a minute because I know that this is not the topic of today. But before then, I want to speak about automation versus personalization. Okay? Yes. Because... I know that you know you and I are part of the same groups. You see emails coming through and LinkedIn groups and all that. And lots of people speak about automation. You know, it seems to me that automation is not for absolutely everyone. It seems that personalization may be more relevant when you are very account-based driven, very top heavy, large yeah. deal, complex sales cycles. But what I'd like to get, I'd like to get your thoughts on that. I'd like to understand if you believe also that you can be targeted and personalized, but at scale. Yeah, definitely. And I think one of the issues with this debate is that people will take two extremes, right? If you follow, you know, these so-called sales influencers on LinkedIn and you go on your feed, you got one extreme, which is saying, you know, sales is a numbers game, automate everything. And then you've got another extreme, which is don't automate anything. You have to personalize everything. And I sit somewhere in the middle. I think when it comes to automation, you need to segregate your list. Because I think one of the problems people have is they're like, okay, I've got a list of 3,000 people that I can contact for this campaign. If you send all 3,000 people the same message, you're going to fail. So you've got to split into kind of the obvious things, which are the job titles, right? I sell to probably same as you, marketing leaders, sales leaders, and then CEOs of small companies. I'm going to have different messaging for all those different personas. And then industries, right? Target industries where you've already got case studies and then mention that in your sequence. And then the other thing which you know i'm sure to you is is basic right but a lot of companies aren't doing is is triggers right so say you're a software and you integrate into another software build a list of companies that use that there's so many tools that, that you can do that companies that have raised around companies that have recently launched a product so if you're building these trigger events into your messaging essentially it looks like the emails are actually personalized but in fact they're automated so the key is when you're building messaging it's like have a list but segregate your list into triggers job titles and industries and then you're going to be more successful and then of course i believe in like hyper personalization for your your best leads essentially so i also think have almost like a tier one account list where like this company is a really good fit for us and most of it's personalized right you go on linkedin profile you go on their company website and you look for things that, that you can talk about so i essentially believe in a mixture but where automation goes wrong is when people are doing a spray and pray approach to one list yeah you need to segregate your list and then build messaging around different triggers job titles and industries yeah yeah that makes perfect sense 
So let's speak about data. Very, very, very wait to pick. So what you do is, is fantastic. You know, you, the, the way I see it is that the, the sales cadence, the message, the intelligence that you will put in that is kind of the Ferrari of the campaign, okay? And then you need two things around. You need the data and the BDR, okay? Yeah. The data would be the petrol that you put in the Ferrari and the BDR is the guy yeah. who drives the Ferrari, okay? If yeah. Hamilton was to drive a Ferrari and I was to drive a Ferrari, he probably would finish the race before me because he's probably better at driving a car than me. So, yeah. and, I think, and I think it's the same with BDR. So how does that ecosystem work with what you do? Do you have to drive specific discipline requirement from a data perspective and also specific discipline requirement from a BDR perspective, particularly if automation is not available, yeah. just to make sure they actually follow the rules. And, you know, so, so I'd like to understand how you work with that ecosystem because this is something that you may not be able to influence at growth, Jenny, but I'd like to understand what are the kind of end check in the process that you are having on both sides from a data perspective and from a BDR perspective to make sure that, you know, your Ferrari is actually moving from the driveway and is being driven properly. Yeah, no, I, I love your metaphor and analogy of, you know, the car, the Ferrari and, and the fuel and completely align that, that data is such an important part. And actually, historically, where I've seen campaigns fail in my last role and then with my clients is from data, because data is the first thing. But if you get that wrong, then however good the BDR is, they're not going to be successful. And in terms of we, we do have a big influence on in our clients. So before the sales process, and then in the first week of onboarding, we go into a lot of detail about, okay, where are you getting your leads, right? If you're doing cold outbound, rather than just having a load of inbound leads, where are you getting your leads? I want to try and be vendor neutral here, so I'm not going to mention particular sure. vendors, but... Yeah, essentially, you need a data source, right? There's so many data sources out there. So you need to establish, okay, which is the best data source for our ideal customer profile? And then also, it's like the tech stack, what sales engagement platform are you going to use to reach these people? So we'll go into a lot of detail on that. And I think one, one of the things that I've seen that companies don't do is they get a data platform, but then mm -hmm. they, they get their BDRs to spend all the time building lists. And what you want your BDRs to do is be doing outreach, right? You want them to be 100% focused on actually sending LinkedIn messages, sending personalized emails, making phone calls and not building lists. So something I always recommend to our clients is either have like interns or like a junior salesperson that's building lists for the BDRs or outsource that as well, right? Or outsource your data to someone else because for me, that's the most frustrating thing when I hear BDRs, oh, I spend 50, 60% of my time actually researching and building lists. You want them to be spending their time actually reaching out to people. So that's yeah. always something that I mentioned to, to clients and something that they need to think about. Yeah, I also, I'm a big believer in prospecting myself. And I think that's kind of the way between data and uh, how would the driver make the most of the petrol that is available in the car, basically? <laughs> how do you drive efficiently? But I do believe that without mentioning any name, but the, the, some of the largest databases in the US are being absolutely hammered. And sorry for yeah. the language here, but I think they are just being pestered those people. If your name is one of those large databases, you know, there is three main names and some of them may be together now, actually. If your name is in there, I mean, your phone must be ringing thousands of times a day because you've got dialers going at you. You've got people going at you. Yeah. And then your email inbox must be absolutely overwhelmed as well with marketing automation, people blasting stuff, et cetera, et cetera. So we have actually seen as a company, we've seen less results from, and that's a shame because, you know, sometimes, you know, we always try to identify what, why a company is performing well versus another. And yeah. the company that are performing the best are obviously when we do your part right 
which is getting the cadence right and getting the message yeah. right. And it all starts with a sales playbook. And then the other part is when we actually kind of almost manually work on the data. So as you said, you know, get someone that build the data from the BDR, but not just stop and saying, oh, you know what, I'm going to do an extract from the database and here is your list. Someone that actually go and check, verify, make sure that the, the contact are the right contact yeah. because I do agree with you and that's the reason why you're on the podcast today about the, the 30 touches and really the omni-channel is so important but then yeah. when you think about it what you want to do you want your BDR not only to not go and get the data themselves but also you don't want them to spend I don't know a couple of hours three hours going through 30 touches or more yeah. potentially because they've got a limited number of accounts Yeah, it's very ABM focusing on the wrong people because yeah. of course they will be barking at the wrong tree. So that's that's kind of the, the the dilemma that we see sometimes, and you know something that is actually quite case by case driven when it comes to solving it. But that's one of the major dilemma where clients are kind of scratching the back of their hand and say, I don't understand. I've got that big database that I spend thousands of dollars on every year. I've got that beautiful sales playbook that we build ourselves, or we used, or you know, operatics may have helped in doing bits and pieces. We we don't really do it, but we we yeah. we kind of help with the feedback we're getting from the process. But yeah, it's about how do you get all that singing and dancing sometimes, the dilemma. So that's why I was interesting. But maybe maybe for another conversation, Michael. I've got one last question for you, and it's about the pandemic. I'm sorry, we're all fed up with COVID-19. But since the start of the pandemic, have you seen a shift or change to outbound prospecting? Have you seen the way people are going about it? To be different. Yeah. I know that you're speaking about your 2021 new cadence, so I'm sure you've you, you've got some finding. But I'd like to discuss your main findings and share that with our audience, please. Yeah, sure. So I'll, I'll go back to a stat that I mentioned earlier. So the the average connect rate for a cold call is a, about four percent, and this was again the only vendor I've mentioned connect and sell just because they have this data. So you can look it up across millions of calls. They said the average connect rate for a cold call. So essentially, you receive a number on your phone, you don't know who it is, is four percent. So it's like less than one in 20. That's gone up actually by 1% to 5%, right? That seems like a very small number of the connect rates gone up by 1%. If you're doing 50 calls a day or 100 calls a day, even you're going to get either one or two more conversations every day or two days with that stat. And that means essentially, say you get four more conversations a week, that's 16 more conversations a month. If a few of those turn into deals and you're selling into enterprise, that could be like millions, multi, and if you've got lots of BDRs, that's you know potentially multi millions of revenue. Of course. So the the point I'm trying to make is that actually calling has become even more important this year, and I think it, it's funny. There's always these these conversations like is cold calling dead, etc. I think calling this year has it's become not easier, but the, as I said, the connect rate has gone up. And I think for me, I've always said the phone is still the number one channel. To prospect because you can have an interactive conversation if i email you with a question you don't really have to answer or if i linkedin you with a question you don't have to answer whereas if i'm on the phone 90 percent of the time you're going to answer because the only other thing you can do is hang up which you know most people have the respect to, to not do that yeah so i think so i think the phone has become even more important this year and then i think with the other channels essentially i, I feel like it's become more difficult but it's also become more interesting so i think like you said if you're like a C-level person at Microsoft or these big companies, you're literally going to get 200 prospecting emails a day. 
but I still preach email, but like I was saying earlier, your messaging needs to be really good. So if you automate, you've got to have a highly segregated list, or if you're personalizing, you've got to really look into their LinkedIn profile and their company in order to stand out because there's just so much noise on email now. Like, you know, I'm a founder of a small company and I still get like a hundred emails a day. So I'm sure like big companies are getting thousands. So email can still work, but you've got to have really, really good messaging in order for it to work. So those are pretty much the two findings that I've seen this year. Yeah, that's very useful. And then kind of seen the same. So yeah, I'm glad we are on the same wavelength here. So that, that's wonderful. Well, look, Michael, as I said, probably a lot of food for thoughts and thanks for sharing your insight today. I'd like to probably have another session with you because I've got a thousand more questions, but unfortunately we're getting to the time allocation. We don't want to keep our session too long because we want people to be engaged over a shorter period of time versus uh, getting into a long conversation. So we probably, we probably do another session. But if anyone wants to connect with you, Michael, discuss some of the ideas that you you presented today or more importantly would like to engage with gross jenny to set up their own personalized 30 touch omnichannel outbound sales cadence yeah what would be the best way to get hold of you michael yeah of course so uh very active on on linkedin so if you search michael hansen growth genie on linkedin connect with me there i'm one of those people i i tend to connect with with everyone so feel free to connect with me and yeah feel free to send me an email as well so it's uh, M Hansen at growthgenie.co, not .com. Everyone makes that mistake. I couldn't get growthgenie.com, unfortunately. But yeah, email or LinkedIn are probably the two best ways. That's wonderful. Well, thanks again for your time today, Michael. It was an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Likewise, Ray. And yeah, look forward to continuing the conversation. You've been listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, 